Thank you for tuning in to Lexington Road Ministries podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to stop by. We hope you enjoy today's message. Now I want to turn I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 22. If you don't mind if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of the word of God. 1 Samuel chapter 22. I want to read verses 1 through verse 3. It says, if you're there, would you say amen? Oh, come on, I know you're there because it's on the wall here. Amen, amen. If you're there, would you say amen? First Samuel chapter 22, begin reading in verse 1. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adalim. Adalim means a sealed off place, the place of their testimony. He escaped to a cave called Adalim. With his brethren and all his father's house heard about it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontent gathered themselves unto him and he became Captain Caveman. Amen. He became captain over them. They were with him about 400 men. And David went thence to Mizpah of Moab and he said to the king of Moab, let my father and my mother, let mom and daddy, I pray thee, come forth and stay with you until I know what God will do for me. Father, I'm asking you, God, to anoint me this morning, not for fame nor recognition. Let me preach this morning, God, so that your word will do exactly what you desire it to do. God, it makes no difference if nobody leaves here remembering my name. But God, I pray, I pray that your word accomplishes everything you set it out to do. God, anoint us, anoint our ears to hear, anoint me to preach. In the lovely name of Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Before you sit down, turn to your neighbor, look them in the eye, say, if you weren't here, I'd be the best looking person in this church today, amen. Senator Daniel, psychologist Daniel Goldman said this. He said that the thing that distinguishes successful people more than anything else, more than their IQ, more than their education, more than their, their background, their heritage, more than what country they're living in, the thing that distinguishes successful people more than anything else is how they handle themselves with setbacks and disappointments. If you get up and dust yourself off and keep going, you'll make it. If you stay down whenever you fall because the Bible said a righteous man falls seven times. Seven times he gets back up again. That's what distinguishes successful people more than anything else. You think about it. Colonel Sanders, he went bankrupt a couple of times before he got the recipe right. Amen. And all of us are bigger people today because he kept trying. Amen. Amen. And amen. Over and over and over again you see people that by every every sense of the word they should have gave up but they got up. Amen. Now here we see David David. David, in this story that I just read to you, David had everything going good for him. Wow, he was married to the king's daughter. He was killing giants with a slingshot and a stick and had the faith. Think about it for a minute. He looked at Goliath and said, I'm going to cut your head off and feed your body to the buzzards. Now, he said that, and all he had in his hand was a rock and a stick. Y'all, I've killed a lot of deer. I've cut the heads off a lot of deer. You can't do it with a stick and a rock. Can somebody help me? Amen. David's had enough faith and said, I'm coming to cut your head off and I'm and you're going to bring to the battle what I'm going to use to do it with. Amen. He had the best job in town. They were writing songs about him. Man, everything was going right. 
and in one day, everything changed and everything turned around. Oh, well, 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 I'm spiritual. Things like, he was already anointed to be the next king and everything turned in one single day. He lost his wife. He lost his job. His father-in-law was trying to kill him and, and now he's hiding inside of a cave. Every person under the sound, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. Every person under the sound of my voice will go and spend time in a cave at one time or another. Let me just tell you how God birthed this thought into my mind. Um, Debbie and I, this is my wife Debbie, well, we, we, we've always, I mean, we've always, God's always blessed us. I was a nuclear powerhouse welder when I got called to, I got called to preach and, 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 and every church I ever pastored was one of the fastest growing churches in the, in the denomination. Matter of fact, we took one, we actually planted it with 40 people there in Jessup in a storefront, borrowed some chairs from a restaurant and grew to eight and a half million dollars worth of property and became the 35th largest church of God in the United States of, of, a, of America. I ain't saying that because I'm bragging because y'all done heard me preach long enough to know how in the world could God use that guy. Amen, amen. But, but hear me and hear me close. I was on top of the world. Everything was great. The church was growing. Our tithe, our tithe was, uh, we, we had, we were the number one tithing in our, in our state, 150,000 a month. My church loved me. They bought me a new truck every four years and it was a Ford. Can somebody help me? Amen. If it had been a Dodge, I'd have thought they hated me. If it had been a Chevrolet, I thought they wanted me to leave. Amen. 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 But they bought me a Ford. Amen. Amen. But 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 hear me. Hear me close. They 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 paid me well. Everything's going great. I'm married to the woman I love. My kids are great. I've got cows. I've got a farm. Everything is just wonderful. You couldn't have asked for no better. I'm getting to go preach in Illinois where they got the big deer. Amen. I mean, everything is happening right. The state the general offices have asked me to be a state overseer and set several assemblies and I've always said no because God called me to pastor and man everything was wonderful and then October 1st 2010 there's a knock on my door and it's the police my son on the way home from school a drunk man jumped out in front of him to commit suicide my son swerved to miss the man flipped his truck and my son was instantly killed I thought everything inside of me was over. How in the world could the God I trust allow something like this to happen? I questioned everything I believed. I questioned everything there was. And you know what? I found myself in a cave just like David was in that cave. And so I began to think, okay, God, I can't just stay here. I can't just stay here. I've done a study on people that I knew that had lost children. Some of them went, went completely insane. Uh, one great guy, he was a big leader in our community, he committed suicide. He lost his son. He took his son's shotgun and went out behind the barn and shot shot himself. I found out 80%, 87% of the people that lose a child end up in divorce. Well, I can't lose her. My goodness, I got her. Send up, Debbie. I got this good-looking woman back when I had abs and blonde hair and a tan. Amen. Look at me now. What kind of woman you reckon I could get now? Can somebody help me? Amen. I still got abs. I just keep them in a cooler. Can somebody help me? Amen. Amen. But but I can't afford to lose to lose her. Everything about me, my God, my, my everything was all come to a screeching halt and I found myself in a cave. So I began to study, God, how do you get out of here? God, I, and what, what don't make you better will make you bitter. Can somebody help me? Amen. And God, I don't need, I don't need to get, I don't need to lose at this place in the, in the race. So I looked at David. 
and I found that he was in a cave. He lost everything and bam, he's in a place in, a, in the cave called Adalem. Now listen, me and Debbie, I'm writing a book called The Lord of the Cave and me and Debbie was up in West Virginia and we were riding there preaching and, and, and we went by and it had a big sign that said tour the cave and we got out and walked in this cave. This lady took us in this cave, took us in there about a mile and, and or she said it was a mile, I don't know, I don't know how far it was, it was a long way in there and when we went in there she turned off the light. It was so dark you you couldn't see nothing. And this is what she told us. She said, the darkness inside a cave is nine times darker than the darkness outside the cave. She said, if you stay in this place three days, you, you come out, you'll be temporarily blind. But if you stay in it 90 days and you come out, you'll be permanently blind. And when she said this, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. She said, and you'll, use, you'll lose the pigment in your skin. You'll lose your skin color. You'll lose the color of your eyes and you'll lose the color of your hair if you stay in that darkness for 90 days straight. Immediately, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, if you stay in this cave too long, you see, you're identified by the color of your skin and the color of your eyes and the color of your hair. If you stay in this cave too long, you'll lose your identity. You might have went in a man of God, but you'll come out a pauper. Yeah, I've seen people go in the cave on top of the world and come out drug addicts. Are you still with me? You'll lose your identity and you'll lose your vision and without vision, people perish. Yes, everybody does cave time, but don't you camp out in the cave. Don't you stay there too long. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house, amen. So I found David inside this cave. I said, okay, David made it. Matter of fact, he wrote Psalms 142. If you'll just give me the scriptures, amen, I won't have to go back, back up there, amen. Look what he said, I cried. He wrote this while he was in the cave. I cried unto thee, O Lord, and I said, you are my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. In other words, David said, I may be in this cave, but this ain't where I'm staying. I, I went in a man of God, I'm coming out a man of God. I went in anointed, I'm coming out anointed. I can't, I went in hurt, but I'm coming out healed because I ain't the cave ain't made for me to live in forever. Amen. Amen. So I began to say, okay, God, I got to find out how to do this. I don't want to just go to the cave and waste my time in, in the cave. So I began to go through the scriptures in the Bible and found people that spent time in caves. And whoa, man, it showed me some stuff that was just simply, simply, simply amazing. Amen. Come here, my brother. You don't mind helping me just a second. I want you to stand right here if you don't mind. Amen. The first person I found inside a cave was old brother Moses. Amen. Old brother Moses spent time. He's got a beard like Moses. Amen. Spent time in the cave. Now, now, what do you mean? Look in the book of Exodus. Look in the book. Look in the book of Exodus. And the Lord said unto Moses. Now, watch this. God's talking to Moses. Whoa. And he said, I'm going to do this thing also that you've spoken. Y'all, that right there was enough to shout about. If God came down to me and said, I'm going to do what you've been praying about. Woo-hoo. Oh, back when I was pastoring, there'd have been a couple of people wouldn't have liked that. Can somebody help me? Amen. I, I, I prayed one time, and I shouldn't say this, but just I'm going to say it. I prayed one time. I said, Lord, I'm two services away from a breakthrough. God, if you'll just let me preach two funerals, God, this church will grow. Amen, amen, amen. And if you're the person that's like that, you're not smiling right now. Amen, amen. I'm kidding. 
But he said, I'm going to do. God said to Moses, I'm going to do what you've been asking me to do. Y'all, if God came back to me, Sister Lisa wouldn't be sick this morning. Can somebody help me? My wife wouldn't have rheumatoid arthritis in her hands. Wow, wow, wow. If God would do that to me, amen. Well, anyway, let's go on. Amen. I'm going to do this thing as you've been asking. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by your name. I know you by your name. Now watch this, watch this. Moses gets all excited. And Moses said, I beseech thee, show me your glory. That's what Moses did. He got all happy, show me. Now anybody here want to see the glory of God? I mean, really, do anybody here hungry to see God move like, like we read about, amen? He got excited and said, show me your glory. And God said, I'm going to make all my goodness pass before thee. I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. I will, look what he says, I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Go on, give me this next one. And he said, now you can't see my face. Uh-oh, that kind of messed with me because my favorite song used to be, oh, I want to see him look upon his face. And, and, and when he said, you can't see my face, if you see my face, you're going to die. I quit singing that song. Can somebody help me? Amen. Lord, I don't want to see your face. He said, if you see my face, you'll die. I got to thinking about that. Face me, brother. Square up with me. God, how, why is it if I see your face, I'm going to die? He said, because if you see my face, you in front of me. And nothing lives in front of me. You want to know why that marriage didn't work? I didn't tell you to marry him. You got ahead of me. You know why you couldn't pay for that house? You done it without me. You got ahead of me. You blamed me with it, but you got way ahead. You know why you're driving a Chevrolet instead of a Ford? You got way ahead of me. <laughs> got way ahead. That's said, well, anyway, let's see. You get in front of him, the hills melt like wax in front of God. Nothing lives in front of him. He said, listen, look what he said. He said, you cannot see my face for there shall no man see me and live. But look at this next verse. He said, and the, he said, and the Lord said, behold though, there is a place beside me and you shall stand upon a rock. Now look what he said, keep going. He said, it shall come to pass when my glory passes by that I'm gonna put you in a cave. I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock. That's what a cave is. I'm going to put you in a cave. But while I got you in that cave, I'm going to cover you with my hand while I pass by. Can somebody help me just a minute? Amen. Give me the rest of that scripture there. He said, and I will take away my hand and you'll see my back parts, but my face you shall not see. Now look what just happened. Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. And God says, for you to see my glory, I'm going to have to put you in a cave. But you need to know while you're in that cave, I'm going to keep you covered with my hand. And when I pass by, I'm going to take away my hand so you can see where I've been. You're going to see what I was doing while you was in the cave. That's where my glory comes if you'll just stay faithful in the cave and know I got you covered. And when I take my hand away, you're going to see what I was doing while you was in the cave and you're going to know that the glory of God is still real and still just as mighty as it ever was. So if I want to see his glory, I got to spend time in the cave. That's why those disciples, when you whooped them, they shout. When you lock them up in jail, they start singing about midnight. Can somebody help me? Amen. 
because they knew if we going through this, there's some glory coming our way. Oh, my God, have mercy. Amen. The second person I found that was in a cave was my hero. You don't mind just standing up here, do you? Pastor will give you a good offering, I'm sure. Amen, amen. Just don't take it out of mine if you don't mind. Amen. <laughs> he said, I gave you my daughter. Well, you got to stay up here for two more days. Amen, amen. <laughs> hey, watch this. The next one I found is Brother Elijah. Now, Elijah is my favorite man in the Bible, except for Jesus, naturally. Elijah was bad to the bone. Amen. Are y'all married? Are you, this couple right here, are y'all married? Y'all married? That's, y'all ain't cheating with each other because if it's on camera, I don't want to have you stand up and your wife be home watching it. Amen. If you will, stand up just a second. Now, now I don't know you, but you love me, right? And I love you. Will you stand up just a second? Amen. Now, now Elijah, Elijah's bad to the bone. We don't know nothing about Elijah until he walks up one day to King Ahab and he says, King Ahab, I got a problem with you. Uh, well, I ain't that big, but God's real. Anyway, I got a problem with you. And because you've been doing what you've been doing, you've been listening to that wife of yours, Jezebel. And because <laughs> she wants her daughter back right now. She said, I ain't giving nothing enough. No, so because you've been listening to her, I'm telling you, it ain't going to rain until I say it rains. Y'all, I know y'all can sit down. I know a lot of preachers. I am a preacher. I don't know nobody that would walk up to President Obama and say something like that or President. Could you imagine any preacher you know walking up to Donald Trump and say, listen, if you don't quit tweeting. <laughs> he walks up to the king and said, it ain't going to rain because of you doing what you're doing. It ain't going to rain till I say it. Y'all, I, I had the opportunity because our church was, 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 was so blessed. They, they invited me. The governor came down and wanted to be in church with us. And so he did. He just called me one day and said, I want to come hear you preach and came down. And, and, and out of that, I got to go preach to the Senate. And I got to go preach to the House of Representatives. Well, I was a big fish in a little pond. And, and so when I was on my way to, to, to speak at the House of Representatives in our state, they put it in the newspaper. And all my preacher friends called me, George, you, you can't preach like you preach up there, they'll lock you up. You can't preach in Jesus' name. You can't get up there and spit and carry on. They'll, they'll, you'll be in jail. And so here I am going up there. Debbie's going with me. I'm scared to death. I said, oh, my goodness. I, I, Debbie, I said, if they lock me up, you don't leave me there. I'm way too pretty to spend a night in jail in Atlanta. Can somebody help me? Amen. You get me out and bring me home. Amen. I get there and the speaker of the house calls me in his office crying and he says, what has God given you from me? And, and I prayed for him and told him what God gave me and when I got through, I asked him, I said, now what can I get away with out there with them 157 state representatives? He said, I brought you down here to preach Jesus to them. Amen. You know what I preached? I preached Jesus is our answer in these troubled times. The Senate invited me over to preach to them the next month and I got up and preached why we need the Holy Ghost in the day that we're living in. Amen. Amen. What am I trying to say? Y'all, we got to understand we can be better than who we are because it ain't about me. It's about him. Oh, I ain't nothing, but I got a God backing me up that caused the sun to come up this morning. Amen. So Elijah walks up to Ahab, says it ain't going to rain till I say it rains. Now listen, if it ain't raining on the just, on the unjust, it ain't raining on the just either. 
God told Elijah, I want you to go, and I want you to go sit by a creek. I'm going to let the birds bring you some steak and, and bread. Amen, amen. That's where they started longhorns. Can somebody help me? Amen. We know they... We know it was steak. Now I'm not. I don't have no no education much. You can tell that already. But 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 hear me, hear me, hear me. I know it was steak because he he was Jewish. He wouldn't eat no hog. True. And a, a, a bird was bringing it to him. Birds are tighter than people. They ain't gonna squeal on their cousin the chicken. Can somebody help me? <laughs> so the only thing left, amen, <laughs> is steak. Amen. So he's sitting by a creek and he's eating steak and bread every day, and the birds are bringing it to him. But six months into it, because it ain't raining on the, un, on the just, just like it ain't raining on the unjust, the creek dried up. Are you with me? The creek dried up. And then God says, come here, sister. Come here, come here, sister. Come here, hurry, hurry, hurry. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you. Come here, come here, come here. You better hurry. They're going to say I preached so long if you don't hurry. Amen, amen. Just, just, just stand right here by me. Sir. I like you picking up sticks. Elijah walks up to this woman. He says, I prepared a widow in Zarephath going to take care of you. So he walks up to this woman and he says, what you doing? She says, duh, here's your sign. I'm picking up sticks. What does it look like I'm doing? She said, I'm picking up sticks because I'm going to build a fire. I got a handful of meal down there in a barrel. I'm going to make a biscuit. Me and my boys going to eat it and we're going to die. And Elijah said something, Pastor, that almost made me not think he was my hero anymore. He looked at this widow woman and said, Fix me a biscuit first. I thought, you stinking TBN preacher. <laughs> me and you would have built a house of biscuits for widows if we'd have walked up on that woman. But he said, fix me a biscuit first. She said, what I got to lose? So she fixes him a biscuit first and he eats it. She goes down, same amount of meal, same amount of flour, same amount of meal. She fixes a biscuit for her and her boy. Then the next morning, Elijah comes up. Hey, where's my breakfast? She gives him a biscuit. She goes down, same amount of meal. Same. He never gave her enough for two biscuits, but he always gave her enough for one. Can somebody help me? Amen. And for three and a half years, that meal never ran out. She just kept cooking biscuits. She just kept cooking biscuits. Amen. One day, Elijah, sit down right here. One day, Elijah comes in for his biscuit, and she's sitting on the couch, and her boy, and her boy is laying in her, in her lap dead. Are you still in the building with me? And Elijah comes and takes that boy. I'm sure she's thinking, I've been paying my tithe all these years. I've been giving you biscuits for three and a half years, and now my boy's dead. What kind of God is that? Wish I had my biscuits back. And, 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 the boy, and Elijah took the boy and went up in the loft of the house. Why would he do that? Why would he go into the loft of the house? Makes no sense to me. We, we built part of our ministry. When we lost Travis, I realized that, that preachers don't have places to go when they get in trouble. And so we sold our home and we built a sabbatical house on our farm. We moved in the sabbatical house. Debbie and I did. We lived there while we built us another house. And then we're going to move in that house and open up the sabbatical house for preachers. We have to pay by cash. We have to pay as we go. And so they're putting down the floor next week in that house. So we should have it open in the next three to four weeks. Amen. Amen. All we got to do is raise the money for the cabinets. Amen. And we're, and we're done. But we'll have a place for ministers to come and stay. Amen. Until they get their, their life back under them when they have tragedy. But that's not, that's neither here nor there. Whenever we sold our house uptown, Debbie had me unloading everything. She said, go up in the attic and get all that stuff. Y'all went up in that attic and I was scared to death. 
Number one is South Georgia, so it's 127 degrees up there in the wintertime. Amen. I'm up here, and it, it got all these rafters. It looks like a rib cage. It looked like the house ate me. Can somebody help me? Amen. I hollered down. I said, hey, we don't need this stuff. You don't even know it's up here. Why we got, let it go with the house. She said, there's pictures of the youngins up here, up there. I said, have you seen the youngins of the people buying our house? They need some pretty pictures. Can somebody... <laughs> We'll just let these pictures go with the, with the house. She said, shut up and get it down. I shut up and got it down. Amen. But I let, and then I went back to her and said, he took her baby and took him up in the attic, sat there with him, prayed for him three times, and he got up and lived. Can somebody help me? Amen. What them biscuits paid off. Amen. Whatever happened to the boy? The boy grew up 40 years later. If you study Jewish history, you'll find 40 years later that boy grew up. He was, a, he was a grown man, and God called him to go do something. God said, I want you to go down to Nineveh, and I want you to preach to all them people. And Jonah said, I ain't going. I don't like them people. He was a pastor in the church of God. Can somebody help me? I done heard about them people. I ain't going down there. Amen. And God says, go. He went down to Joppa. No. He went down to a ship. No. They threw him out the boat and a giant fish swallowed him. Can somebody help me? And the fish is on. You can't get much lower than that. How many of you know he was in the belly of the fish for three days? If you in the belly of a fish, there ain't but two ways out. Can somebody help me? Amen. You either going to be puke or poop. Can somebody help me? Puke may be nasty, but poop is final. Can somebody help me? Amen. And so he's, I, I could see Jonah now. He's down there in this rib cage. What is he thinking? I've been here before. I've been here before. I was up in an attic. Look just like this. And the man of God came and prayed for me three times. I think I've been in here about three days. And he prayed and the fish threw him up and 52,000 people got saved all because a woman gave a biscuit to a man of God. You can sit down. But, 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 but watch this. After that, Elijah says, I'm going to go back. Me and Ahab's going to have another talk. So he's on his way back to Ahab to talk to him. And Obadiah comes and meets him. Obadiah's a real rare man. He's got 100 preachers that he's hiding up in caves. Whoa. And, 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 and Elijah tells Obadiah, go tell Ahab I'm a coming. Obadiah looks at him and said, you're crazier than a sprayed roach. Amen, amen. That's the NIV version. Amen, amen. He said, you're crazy. If I go tell him you're coming and you don't show up, he'll kill me. No, I'm coming. Tell him I'm coming. Tell him to go get his, oh, tell him to go get all his prophets that's been eating with Jezebel's house and tell him to meet me on Mount Carmel. We're going to build an altar. We're going to put meat on it, but no, nobody has fire. We're going to put wood in the sacrifice, but whoever calls down fire, that's to God will serve. The story goes that those, those prophets, what, 750 of them, that was eating at Jezebel's house every day. Old Sister Jezzy, are you listening to me? They got out there first. They put the sacrifice in order, got up and started jumping up and down on it, cutting theirself with glass, praying for God that their God, Elijah's sitting back there saying, why don't you cry a little louder? Maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe your God can't hear you. He was from the south, I'm sure. Amen, amen. But he goes on and says, he picks on them and the people can't do it. Then Elijah says, get out the way. He builds, builds the altar, puts the sacrifice back. He digs a ditch around it, says pour 12 barrels of water on it. They pour 12 barrels of water on it. He backs up and prays two verses of prayer and fire 
Lord comes down, takes up the sacrifice, scoops up the water, and then he kills all 750 prophets of Baal. It's, oh, it is a revival like nothing ever happened. Can somebody help me? Amen. In these two services, could you imagine if we preached, amen, and fire fell down and consumed the sacrifice, and we went out and killed all the drug dealers. No, I'm kidding. We weren't going to do that. But, but, but could you imagine what would, what would happen? Amen. That's the kind of revival he was experiencing. But old sister Jezzy, old sister Jezzy told somebody, stand up there, sister Jezzy. Old sister Jezzy told somebody, I'm going to kill him like he killed my prophets. And Elijah, he, never, he didn't hear say it, but he heard somebody, heard somebody that heard somebody say it. And he went out and sat on a juniper tree and says, just kill me, God. I'm the only one you got left. And God said, oh, my God, what am I? He didn't say, oh, my God. He said, oh, myself, what am I going to do? You all I got. Nah, he had 100 hiding up in caves. And so look what happened. You can sit down. God told Elijah, get up. I want you to go to a cave. I got something I need to tell you. Look what happened in 1 Kings. Look what happened in 1 Kings. Is it okay to take your jacket off here? If I take my shirt off here, just throw dollar bills up here. Amen, amen, amen. He arose and he did eat and drink. God gave him a little food and he went the strength of that meat for 40 days. Scared me to death when I got to y'all's. He put a basket in my room. And I told Debbie, I said, tear in that basket, I'm hungry. Bottle of water, bottle of green tea and some fruit. I said, dadgummit, they on that Daniel fast, amen, <laughs> amen. Then I kept digging and there was a honey bun in there. I said, whoop, somebody backslid. Can somebody help? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But he ate the fruit and went 40 days with one meal. And he went, to, look what happened. He went 40 days and 40 nights under Horeb. Now this is amazing. I'm not gonna preach much longer, just hear me. Listen, he went to Horeb. Horeb was the same mountain that Moses was in. Could it be the same cave? Whoa, he went to Horeb, Mount of God. Look at the next verse. And he came thither into a cave and he lodged there. And behold, y'all, when I lost Travis, Travis is my boy's name. When I lost Travis, this scripture right here, I read it and it made me shout all over my office because look what he said. He said, he lodged there and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and the Lord said unto him, look what happened. What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, why did that make me shout? Because, listen, what I'm about to say now might, might keep you from coming back tonight, but I hope it don't. I hope you come back anyway. When I lost my boy, when you're successful in ministry, there'll be people who want you to fall bad. I had, I had people saying, I had preachers saying, told y'all he was a fake. If, he, if he'd been close to God, what's he doing there? If he loved God that much and God loved him that much, what's he doing there? He lost his boy. And everybody was saying, what's he doing there? How many of you hate spiritual people? Can somebody help me? Amen. Not, not spiritual in a good way, but them super spiritual people. Debbie's got arthritis, and a guy came up to me one time, and I'm a little bit rednecky, but a guy came up in church one time, and I asked the church to pray for her rheumatoid arthritis in her hands, and a guy come up to me, and he said, if you had faith, if you had faith, your wife wouldn't have rheumatoid arthritis. I said, you believe that? He said, yeah, I believe it. I said, okay, I'm rolling up my sleeves. I said, I'm going to bust you in the nose. If you got faith, it won't hurt nor will it bleed. <laughs> he must not have had faith because he ran out like a scalded monkey and I never saw him again. Amen, amen. 
But here's my point. People were saying, what's Moxley doing there? What did Moxley do to deserve that? That ain't what God said. God didn't say, what are you doing there? Look what God said. What are you doing here? You know what that means? That means God was in the cave with him. Can somebody just help me just a little bit? What are you doing here, Elijah? Oh, he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his. You ain't never going to be alone. Can somebody help me? You got a God that sticks closer to you than a brother. He's the, mm, what are you doing here? And look what God told him. Now listen, I want you to go and pick out another king because he's fired. And I want you to go anoint somebody that'll take your place. So he went and got Jehu to be king, went and killed, killed Jezebel and the dogs ate her. And, 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 and then look what happened. Then he goes and finds a young man named Elisha. Elisha. One of you young men on the front. Come, come help me. Come here and help me just a minute, brother. You don't mind helping me. Come here. Wow, he's big. Amen. <laughs> come here. Elijah. Elisha. Hold your hands out like this, like you're plowing an ox. Elijah goes by and finds Elisha, and he's plowing an ox. And he takes his mantle and just throws it around him. And Elisha throws down the ox reins and runs and says, let me go tell my mama, bye, I want to go with you. And, and Elijah said to Elisha, what have I done to you? If this anointing is not more important than telling your mama, bye, you don't deserve it. You just keep plowing an ox. And so Elisha went back, killed the ox, made a fire out of the plow, cooked it, had everybody eat it. Are you still with me? Amen. And took off and said, I want a double portion of what you got. Now, a lot of people will say that we can't get young people to be hungry for what we got anymore. That's a lie, y'all. Young people are hungry for something. Can somebody help me? If the Islam church can get young people, like this young man right here, in their 18 to 25-year-old, that'll put bombs in their underwear and run into a crowd and blow herself up, why can't we get them to come to a Friday night weenie roast? Can somebody help me? Amen. They got a cause, amen. We got to start back with the cause, amen. I said that one time, Pastor, about bombs in the underwear. After a church, a guy met me in the back, and I said, oh, Lord. He said, I need to see you. Called me in the room. I said, oh, man, I probably shouldn't have said underwear. Amen, in this church. And he called me back in, and he said, do you know what they call the underwear that a suicide bomber wears? I said, I have no idea. He said, fruit of the booms. <laughs> Okay, let's go on. Amen, amen. But now watch this. Watch this careful. Watch this careful. He threw down everything to follow him and want what he got while he was in the cave. Oh, what I'm about to say I hope makes sense. While he was in the cave, he came out with an anointing that made the next generation want what he's got. Too many people get in a cave and we complain and gripe so much that this generation don't want nothing to do with us. But what would happen if while we're in our cave, we made up our mind, God, when I come out, not only am I going to change my nation, amen, but I'm going to change the next generation. I want them to know that just because I'm in a cave, it don't make you any less God and it don't make the promises. You can sit down, buddy. Thank you. You stay here because you're going. He's got a personality problem. He's changing personalities. I'm almost through preaching. I really am. Biggest lie ever told by preachers. Amen. But watch this. Everybody that comes in the cave ain't good. Listen to 1 Samuel 24, verses 1 through 4. Now you got to get this. Samuel, Samuel, you're not Elijah anymore, you're Samuel. Samuel 
was the reason David's in the cave. He's hunting him. He's trying to kill him. And here David is in the cave. Now watch this. Came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines that it was told him saying, Behold, David's in the wilderness of Engadai. Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went up to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. Wow, look at this next verse. Look at this next verse. And he came to the sheep goats. By the way, there was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet. Now, I don't want to be ugly, and I hope you let me preach tonight. But you know what cover your feet means? It means he was going in there to use the bathroom. And they all so guess what he was doing if his feet was covered? Okay, let's go on. Amen, amen. So here the enemy is, he's using the bathroom in a cave. It just happened to be the cave that David's in. David and his men are up against the walls of the cave. Look at this. His men remain in the sides of the cave. While Saul is in there making a mess in their living room. They're over there hiding. Oh my goodness, what are we gonna do? That's the man that's trying to kill us and he's got 3,000 chosen men waiting outside while he's in here making a mess in our living quarters. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. And David got up. Now, this is so good to me. This is so good. The promise, just because he was in the cave didn't make the promise not effective. Can somebody help me? Amen. Keep holding on to the promise. Look what he done. Look what he done. He said he got up. He got up and he pulled out his pocket knife and while, while Saul was using the bathroom, he got up and rose over and cut off his skirt. Cut off the robe of his skirt. Not his shirt, his skirt. Now, this amazed me, Saul, because you got 3,000 men out there waiting. Why didn't you run out there and send them 3,000 men back in to find out what cut your britches off? I think when Saul ran out of that cave with his honey shining so fast, those 3,000 men saw it, they took off too. Can somebody help me? Amen. Because when you expose the devil for what he is, it scares him. Can somebody help me? Amen. And he cut his skirt off and all the enemy left and David won again. Amen. Lord of the cave. There's also a scripture in there that tells me I got to be careful in the cave because I can conceive things in the cave that'll hurt me later. Look in Genesis chapter 19. And I'm on... I really am mostly preaching now. And Lot went up out of sore. Lot, you know the story of Lot. God told Lot and his family to get out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sister Lottie couldn't stand it. She turned around and looked back. She became a pillar of salt. And Lot took his two daughters and went up into a, a mountain, look, and dwelt in a mountain and his two daughters with him for he feared to dwell in Zor. He took his two daughters and dwelt in a cave. And the Bible tells us that his two daughters got to thinking, Daddy... <laughs> Daddy ain't got no sons. And so they got their daddy drunk, both of them did, and they slept with their daddy, drunken incest. Both of them got pregnant in the cave. One of them got pregnant with the head of the Ammonites, enemy of God. One got pregnant with the head of the Moabites, another enemy of God's people. In other words, when you're in the cave, be careful you don't conceive things. That'll be your enemy when you get out. When I first come out the cave of losing my boy Travis, 
man, I was full of things that I ain't never had before. And I, I had to go back in and say, God, abort this stuff out of me. Purge me. I had fear I never had before. I had bitterness I never had before. I had short-temperedness that I used to have that God delivered me from. It then rose back up in me. And I said, God, I can't have this and be a pastor. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? I started doing things I was doing before I got saved. Now, I, I, he didn't save me from drinking and chewing and running around with women that do, but, 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 but hear me. I had a temper. Whew, I had a temper. I, I, I used bad words. Anybody here have a problem cussing? Anybody here have a problem cussing before you got saved? Anybody? Some of you did. Some of you still do because you won't raise your hand. I read your lips. Amen, amen. I had a problem cussing. When I first got called to preach, God called me to preach. On, and I got saved April of 89, called to preach January the 7th, 1990, and was pastoring a church in November of 1990. So he done a quick work on me, and he sent me to a church. I was the fifth pastor in one year, and they beat up the last pastor. The overseer sent me there because he knew I'd fight back. Amen. And, <laughs> and so, so here I am, and, and I, I, I'm I cuss a little bit. And I went in my office and said, God, you can't cuss and be a preacher. I can't cuss and be a preacher. They're going to take my credentials, God. That's unbecoming conduct. You can't be a cussing preacher. Nobody knows of a cuss. So I went in my office and I sat down and I wrote down all the cuss words I used, Brother Bill. I wrote all the cuss words down and I numbered them. I put a number beside them. Next time I got mad at a guy, I said, you sorry, 12, 18, I'll slap the six out of you. Amen, amen. And I went by the number system. Amen, amen. It, it worked for a while and I tapered off. But at any rate, amen. When I come out that cave, I had stuff inside of me. And if you know what six is, you got a problem cussing. Amen. I had stuff inside of me that I got inside the cave that I had to get out. You got to be careful while you're in the cave that you won't conceive stuff that'll make you different when you come out. Can somebody help me? Amen. I got one more and I'm done. There's a man named Jesus. The greatest man ever lived was a man named Jesus. He came and was born in a manger. We just celebrated that day. He grew up 30 years, tempted in all points, just like we are, yet without sin. At the age of 30, he was baptized. The Holy Spirit came down. Hoo-wee. Hovered over him, and God said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. He was full of the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost led him out into the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days and was tempted of the devil like nobody ever has been before. He come back. He was laying hands on sick people and they were recovering. He was doing what the church is supposed to be doing according to the last chapter of Mark, amen. He was raising the dead. He was casting out devils. He was walking on water. He was speaking to storms to be still. For three and a half years, boy, he walked a dog. Can somebody help me, amen. Everywhere he went was revival, revival. He'd have people follow him up in the mountain and not even bring nothing to eat. He had it going. Are you still with me? Most people now won't stay, won't stay past 12. I'm scared to look at my watch because I think I probably preached a while. Amen, amen, because we got to get to the buffet. Can somebody help me? Amen. But he had people following him. You know what buffet stands for? Big, ugly, fat folk eat there. Amen, amen. But anyway, let's go on. Amen. But go on. Look, watch this now. He's sitting there, three and a half years of ministry, and then the enemy comes up and, and crucifies him. Drives nails in his hands. Beats him until he's unrecognizable. Snatches his beard out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Matter of fact, 
I like to tell it like this. You three guys, come back up here and help me just a second. Y'all ain't never going to sit on the front row again. Just stand right here, shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder right here. I can see the devil calling in his team. He says, guys, we got to stop this Jesus. I kill him, he resurrects him. I throw sickness on him, he heals him. I blind him, they can see. I've got that kind of power. They gave it to me in the garden. I got it. So he calls his array, his generals together. He says, I got to get time, death, and the grave together. What are we going to do to stop this Jesus? Time spoke up and said, I'll run him down. <laughs> death spoke up and said, I'll knock him down. The grave spoke up and said, I'll hold him down. Sure enough, 33 and a half years went by. Time ran him down. He hung on the cross, his chin hit his chest. Death knocked him down. Now he's in the grave. Satan comes up early in the morning, early in the morning, and says, oh, grave, oh, grave, have you still got him? The grave says he came like all the rest. He died like all the rest. He's here like all the rest. Satan comes by early the next morning. Oh, talk to me, grave. He came like all the rest. He's here like all the rest. He'll stay like all the rest. Early on the third morning, Satan comes by. The grave speaks up before he gets there. Says, you better sit down, Satan. Early this morning, oh, them people you had guarding the rock, the guarding the door, they fell like dead men. It rolled away. I put double chains on him and he shook them off like they wasn't nothing. He got up and took the grave clothes off, folded them up, they in there, and he walked out the cave. And when he walked out, Satan, this is what he said. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55. He turned around and said, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, cave, where is thy victory? And Jesus, amen, walked out. And Satan, he's looking for you because you got some keys that belongs to him. And Jesus became captain of the cave. Now, everybody that's destroyed, everybody that's discontent everybody that's hurting everybody that's in trouble can run to the one that's the Lord of the cave and not only is he with us not only will he anoint us not only will he give us glory but he'll get us out better than when we went in because he is Lord of the cave y'all can be seated y'all can be seated I, I, I got to quit. I hope I've made sense this morning. I know a priest, I, I, the Lord told me we'd be out by one o'clock, but he didn't say a.m. or p.m., so I wasn't sure. Amen. But hear me, hear me. I hope you come back tonight. I really do. But right now, if you come back or not, we got to understand every one of us are going to go through times of cave. I was riding down to preach revival up in Illinois, when I preach Illinois in this side of Kentucky, I have to go through Atlanta. I try not to go through Atlanta if I can help it, but because if you go through Atlanta, you're going to be stuck in traffic. That's the reason we were late last night. We were stuck for an hour in traffic in Atlanta. So when I go through Atlanta, I turn on Joel Osteen because a lot of people talk bad about Joel Osteen, but, but he preaches to millions. I preach to hundreds. So, so I listen to him a little bit, especially when I go through Atlanta, because I can be bogged down, be so mad and frustrated, and turn on Joel, and he'll say, everything going to be all right, amen. <laughs> and so I'm listening to Joel Osteen, and, and this is what he said. He said there was a woman in his church whose daughter 
had gotten in a wreck it totaled the car and should have killed her said that because this woman was faithful in church because she was a giver and because she was a worshiper God spared her daughter and her daughter walked away without a scratch I got where I could on the other side of Atlanta I pulled over my truck I got out and got in the ditch and I knelt down beside my truck and I said okay God if that's true and I'm not dogging Joel Osteen I don't dog preachers at all but if that's true God I've been saved for 30 years been saved for 30 years I've missed two Sundays in 30 years one I had a heart calf and the other I was a nuclear powerhouse welder and I was having a meltdown I had to go in and make a well so I've missed two Sundays in 30 years. I've paid tithe on every dollar that's ever been put in my hand. So I'm a giver. God, I'll praise at the drop of the hat and I keep a hat in my truck all the time. Why? Why did my boy get in a wreck and he died and that woman's daughter got in a wreck and she lived? I'm glad she lived. But God, if that's the reason she lived, why didn't it work for me? And right there in the ditch on my knees next to my truck, God spoke and he said, I never, ever, not one time told you that you wouldn't have trouble that you got to go through. I just told you to hold on to me because I got a place that you'll make it to. Well, there'll never be no more death, no more pain, no more. But you, you, you're not there yet. So you're going to have to go through some stuff so I found another scripture that David wrote while he was in the cave, and I'll finish with this. In Psalms 57. Now watch this, Psalms 57. Because I know people that when they go through stuff, they quit praising God. Look, he said, my heart is fixed. David's in the cave writing this. My heart is fixed, oh God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give you praise. Look what he said. I'm going to go all the way down to verse 11. She'll get, wake up, my glory. Wake up, psaltery and heart. I myself will wake up early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. Look what he says in the next verse, verse, verse 10. I will praise thee. Get, did I give you all the way down to verse 11? I thought I gave you all the way down to verse 11. He says, wake up. Look what he says. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens and let the glory be God. He said, wake up, psaltery. Wake up, praise Look what David said in the cave. Praise, wake up. Wake up. Now, I'm going to end with this, y'all, and, and I'm done. I promise I am. But hear me. I travel all over these United States. I preach in a lot of Pentecostal uh, holiness churches. I preached a, a convention, a spirit-filled convention for the Methodist Church in Athens, Georgia at the, at the Classic Center last year. Over 100 people got baptized in the Holy Ghost. It was, a, it was amazing. But most of my preaching is Church of God. I love Church of God. I'm Church of God born, Church of God bred. When I die, I'll be Church of God dead. But hear me, as I travel across our nation, we don't praise like we used to. We don't. If you'd have had the kind of singing y'all had here tonight 15 years ago, there'd have been people shouting all over this place. But now we're just waiting because we got to cut the music back because we got we got to. Am I making sense? Because it's Sunday morning. What would happen? And I know we got to take in members. And I know I probably preach long. I won't look at my watch because I don't want to be as mad as y'all look right now. Amen, amen. But, but hear me, hear me. What would happen if we, no matter what we're going through, 
would wake up our praise and praise the king of all glory. He's Lord of the cave. Now, I'm giving this altar call for this reason, and I know pastors got to take in members. I just thought about that. I forgot about it. But if you'll stand with me all over this house, amen, I'm asking you this morning, y'all, I'm a product of the cave. I've been there. I came out bitter. I came out hurting. I came out. I was never going to preach again. How can I preach about a God don't keep his promises? All I asked God to do was watch out for my family. And I stepped out and preached. I had a lot of stuff that God had to get out. I'm not up here preaching to you something I read out of Reader's Digest or got off the internet. I know what it means to go through a cave and be affected by that cave. So I'm asking you this morning, there's some people, there's two kinds of people in this room. There's people that are in a cave and there's people that's been through a cave. I should say through people. There's people that are in a cave, people that have been through a cave, and people that are heading into a cave. Because as long as you live, there's going to be caves you got to walk through. Now understand, a cave, a cave's different than a tunnel. If it, <laughs> there ain't but one way in and one way out of a cave. If there's another way out, it's not, a, it's not a cave, it's a tunnel. But God helped me to understand when I get in a cave and there's no way to get out of it except back out through the door. Help me remember that you are the door. Wow, wow, wow. So this morning... If you're in this building and you're in a cave, I don't know what your cave may be. Maybe financial, maybe physical, maybe spiritual, maybe mental, maybe relational, but you're in a cave. I want you to take at least a minute and find a place at this altar and pray. If you're in this place and you've been through a cave, I want you to take a minute and I want you to ask God that nothing will be wasted that you got from the cave. Not anointing, no glory, no nothing can be wasted. If you're here and, and you can say, I'm not in a cave and I've not been through a cave, just as sure as I'm standing up here in front of you, you're heading to a cave. There's something going, are you a doomsday preacher? No, I'm reality. There's going to be something happen. You're going to lose a loved one. You're going to have something tragically happen because that's life. That's what happens. Everybody dies if they live long enough. And you better get ready to be prepared for the cave. So this morning, here's my altar call. If you're in a cave, get to this altar after I pray. If you have been through a cave, wake up your praise. Wake up your praise. If you say, God, I want strength enough to go through whatever, then I want you to pray too. Father, thank you for allowing me to come to this great church. Thank you for the way people have listened attentively. But God, I know there's better preachers than me. There's better preachers than me in this room. But God, I've done the best I can do. And God, I'm asking you, Father, to take this word and use it for your glory and your kingdom. God, there's somebody in here hurting. I don't know who I came here for. They may be the only one that you spoke to me to preach this message for today. And God, I pray they don't leave here. They don't leave here empty. But God, they come and they find that you are here. You are with them. You're right beside them. 
There's things they're about to see they ain't never saw before. All because of the cave and the Lord of the cave. So God, as I turn this service completely over to you, because God, I can do nothing at this altar. All I can do is preach. That's what you call me to do. I'm asking you, God, to speak to our hearts. There's going to be people not come to this altar, and I'm asking you, God, that wherever they're standing, that they'll pray the prayer of David. Wake up, my praise. Wake up, my praise, that I may exalt you, O God. So, Father, have your way. Every head bowed, every eye closed, everybody praying for just a second. If you're in this building and you're going through a cave right now, you're in that cave right now. Would you step out of your pew where you're at and get to this altar right now? Don't wait for somebody else. They're waiting on you. If you're in a cave right now, would you get to this altar right now? Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Don't wait. Just get to this altar. Get to this altar. Get to this altar. Don't, don't wait on nobody. There's people already coming, but there's others that need to. Come on. If you're in a cave, get to this altar. It might be a family issue. It might be a loved one. It might be you. It might be physical, financial, spiritual, relational, mental. It might be you. There's no, there's no limit to what kind of cave people go through. Just get down here. There's as many caves as there are people. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Just come. Come and find you a place to pray. Find you a place to pray. Find you a place to pray. If you want to kneel, kneel. If you want to stand, stand. But find you a self. Find yourself a place to pray. This is not the end. This is not the end. It ain't over. It ain't over. The Lord of the cave. It ain't over. It ain't over. It ain't over. Shandamahe. Listen. Listen, listen careful now because I'm going to give explicit instructions right here. If you've been through a cave, addle them the place of their testimony, then you got a testimony. And you go overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. If you've been through a cave and you know God's able, would you just slip in behind somebody at this altar? You ain't got to ask them. You ain't got to say nothing. Would you just lay your hand on their shoulder as a testimony that I made it and you are too. I made it and you are too. Would you bring those testimonies now to this altar and just pray, pray with, pray with somebody. Amen.